Good morning, everyone. Good morning again. Good to see everyone. I hope everyone's doing well today. It is, man, it's just getting more fall e out, and I love it. I love it. Uh, got to go to uh, a college football game on Friday and watch my Nebraska Cornhuskers take on Rutgers up in Piscataway, New Jersey, and we won. That's awesome. Got to take my boys to their first Husker game. They loved it. Um, Ezra loved it so much, he lost his voice screaming, and now he's sick. So Robin is at home with them today. Um, thanks, for, thanks for taking care of our boys, babe. Love you. Um, yeah, so it's been, been a fun um, fun weekend for us. Um, a little bummed. I shared this with the leadership team um, this morning when, when we prayed. My good friend, uh, one of my closest friends, his name's Corey Demmel. He was supposed to be here this weekend, and he was going to preach today. He was going to share, share the word. And um, because of Hurricane Ian, uh, he wasn't able to come. He lives in southwest Florida, and his um, community was devastated. So um, he's unable to, to make it. He's fine. His family's fine, all that stuff. But their, their community is just really hurting. And he just didn't think it'd be very pastoral to leave at that this time. So um, he's going to reschedule. He'll be here another time. But you get me today. So um, we are continuing in our Roman series. But before I dive into that, I just want to uh, reiterate something Dylan said about serving. Um, I was taught this um, at a young, young time in my ministry experience that many hands make light work. Many hands make light work. And so um, there, there is a statistic out there in the church world that 80% of the work is done by 20% of the people within a church. And that's just generally speaking. And that's not okay with me. I don't want to put all that burden on 20% of the people. And so one of our core values here at Anchor is serving. We want to serve because Jesus was a servant. We want to make ourselves the least, the last, the lowest because Jesus did that. And we want to be like him. And so um, if you're not serving in an area, I want to encourage you, pray about it. Ask the Lord, God, where would you have me serve? Holy Spirit, lead me to the, 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 the team that you want me to serve on, you want me to be a part of. So... Um, there's my little plug for serving. Um, like I said, we're continuing in our Roman series, and we've been walking verse by verse through the book of Romans since February, and it's been awesome. Um, and we're gonna we're gonna continue. Uh, we're gonna conclude chapter eight today. Um, but before I read the scriptures, I wanted to share uh, and not really a story, but just a little kind of perspective. So. In high school, I didn't know Jesus. I, I, wasn't, I, I, would, I wasn't saved or however you want to say it. Like I didn't have a relationship with the Lord. So I was probably like a typical high school boy, okay? I was constantly looking for a girlfriend. Constantly. Constantly looking for, for a girlfriend. Trying, I was flirting all the time, trying to get girls to like me because... That's what I wanted more than anything. I wanted someone to like me. I wanted someone to like love me, right? And so like I was constantly looking and each year of high school I had a girlfriend, a different like a different girl almost every year. So um cuz I was just on that search, right? I I wanted I wanted that. And I think I think I think we all want that if I'm honest. We want somebody who loves us. We want somebody who who's there for us no matter what. We want someone who's going to stick around no matter what we we all desire that and it's just sometimes 
you know, the way we go about it is different. <laughs> so um, when I was in high school, I was constantly trying to, to get a girlfriend. And when I was a junior in high school, I dated this girl that um, I was head over heels for. And uh, we were on a date once. And on this date, she told me she loved me. And I was so excited. No, it's not Robin. It's another girl, unfortunately. Um, so she told me she loved me and I was so excited, um, cause that's what I wanted, right? I wanted somebody to love me. I wanted somebody who was going to be there, who wasn't going to leave. Um, and a couple years later she left, <laughs> she killed me. I gave her my heart. She, she stomped all over it. So that didn't end well, but, um, I, I never understood, right? Because I devoted myself to her and I thought she was devoted to me. I, that's, that's what we all want, right? We want someone who's going to love us and someone who's going to stay. And we, we want that kind of love that's never going to break. Everybody wants that. Like I said, it looks different for each of us due to our uniqueness, right? Affection, affirmation, uh, respect. But, but we're all looking for it. We're all looking for someone to, to bestow our love upon and have love bestowed on us, right? Maybe for you is a situation like me. You opened your heart to somebody and you thought like, man, this is it. I'm going to, like, this is my person. I'm, this is my soulmate. We're going to be together forever. And then it falls apart. Maybe that's you. It, maybe the love that you were looking for in that way, like it, it, just, it just didn't happen for you that way. Or maybe for you is like a situation with your parents. Maybe like nothing you did was ever good enough for your parents. Nothing you did was 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 ever like gonna gonna make them say that they're proud of you. Like maybe maybe that that was the relationship you're looking for for validation in, right? And and it just never came. The the affection just never came. Maybe it's maybe it's your kids. You have kids who who don't love you. Who don't love you back or don't love you the way you want them to. Like that that's tough when when you love somebody and that love isn't reciprocated. Or maybe you've been let down in a completely different way that I didn't even mention, but the hurt is still the same, right? That, that feeling is still the same. Man, what, why, why am I unlovable? That's a question we ask ourselves, right? We all want to love and we all want to be loved. This is one of the most basic human needs, to love and be loved. The only reason you're able to love is because God, who is love, made you in his image. That's the only reason anybody's able to love. Non-believers, non-Christians, however you want to say it, they're able to love because God made them in his image and he is love. So love comes from an outpouring of God, God's love. Like the way we love other people comes from an outpouring of the way God loves us. And so if we're going to love the people in our lives well, we have to first understand God's love for us. We have to understand the way God loves us. And that's what I want to look at today. That's what I want to uh, kind of dive into today, what the Word of God has to say about this. Because I, I believe the Word of God has something foundational for us today when it comes to this idea of God's love. Um, but before we dive into the Scriptures, pray with me. Let's, let's pray this morning. God, thank you. Thank you for your Word Thank you, God, that you've given us your word to reveal your heart to us. You've given us your word to, to make us more like you. And I just ask today, God, that you would open our hearts to respond to your word today. Open our hearts, open our minds, open our ears to respond to what you're saying to us today. 
God, I pray today would be a, a turning point for us in this room. Today would be a turning point for us who are watching online. God, today would be a, a, a different than any other day because we have fresh revelation of your love for us. Thank you, God. We love you. We trust you. In the name of Jesus, I pray. Amen. Amen. If you have a Bible, you can open it up or turn it on to Romans chapter 8. Romans chapter 8, we're going to begin in verse 31. Now, whenever I preach, I always preach from a perspective of there and then. What I mean by that is for us to understand how the Bible applies to our lives here and now, we first have to understand what it meant there and then. If we're going to understand uh, the, the words of the Bible, we have to understand the world of the Bible because here's, here's a problem. There's a lot of people in our world that want to tell you what the Bible says. The Bible says this. The Bible says that. The Bible says a lot of things. What does it mean? That's what I want to get to. That's, that's, what, I want, that's what I want us to, to learn. That's why I want us to be students of the Word of God. I want us to understand what the Word means, not just know what it says. So there and then. Um, just a really quick, really quick Romans recap. To this point in, in Romans, we've learned so much about the history of God and humanity. In, in chapter one, we learned that salvation and justification come through faith and faith alone, right? That's how the apostle Paul started out his letter to the Roman church. Salvation comes through faith and, and, and faith alone. There's nothing you could ever do to earn the, the favor of God. It comes through faith and faith alone. And then immediately after that, he goes into a history of humanity that since Adam and Eve sinned, and, and since Adam and Eve's sin introduced sin into the world, that humanity has been stuck in a downward spiral of sin and wickedness. And that everything we do just keeps getting worse and worse and worse and further and further and further takes us from God. That is the, the, the pattern we are trapped in as humans. Then a little bit later, a little bit uh, later on in the, in the letter to the Roman church, the Apostle Paul explains redemption and that God, through the death and resurrection of Jesus, he, he bought us back from the kingdom of darkness and adopted us into his family, right? Like that's what redemption is. He, he bought us from the kingdom of darkness and, and adopted us into his family. And then Paul goes on to explain that because of redemption, we're no longer compelled to sin. Because, because of redemption and that we have the Spirit of God residing inside of us, we're no longer controlled by our sin nature. Sin is now a choice, which is like revolutionary, right? Um, and, and because we're no longer controlled by sin, we're called to be sanctified into the image of Christ. And then after that, Paul goes on, he brings clarity about the law of God, and he, he helps us understand that the law of God is never to save us. That was never the intention for the law of God to bring salvation for us. The law of God was to reveal our sinfulness and how much we actually need God to save us. The law of God was to show us the character of God and, and the things that he cares about. And, and Paul also made the... the um, point that just because um, uh, salvation and justification come through faith and faith alone and that now like we're under the, the covenant of grace, it doesn't mean that the law of God is obsolete or invalid somehow, right? He talks about this in, in Romans chapter 7. The law is still valid. It still matters. Um, 
but the law arouses our desire to sin. That's why we struggle with sin. The law arouses that desire to sin. Then in chapter 8, the Apostle Paul gives the solution to our struggle with sin, living life in the Spirit of God. If we're going to overcome this, this life of sin, if we're going to overcome this uh, compulsion to sin, we have to live by the Spirit of God inside of us. And he talks about letting the Spirit of God control your mind and, and not allowing your sin nature to control you. And when we live by the Spirit of God and allow the Holy Spirit to control our minds, we can endure anything, right? Yet, the, yet what we suffer now is nothing compared to the glory that will be revealed to us later. That's what we talked about last week, right? Endurance and how God and the Apostle Paul, they want us to build up our endurance so that we can make it, so that we can make it through whatever. Hope. He's given us hope that despite our circumstances, despite the situation, no matter what, we have hope because, because Jesus gives us the power to overcome. The Holy Spirit gives us the power to overcome. And because of that hope, we can, over, or we can, we can endure whatever comes our way. And that brings us to our text today. Romans 8, starting in verse 30, 31, it says, What shall we say about such wonderful things as these? If God is for us, who can ever be against us? Since he did not spare even his own son, but gave him up for us all, won't he also give us everything else? What a big statement. What a big statement. If God is for us, who can be against us? Now, this doesn't mean that we won't ever have opposition, right? This doesn't mean that we won't ever have um, we won't ever have uh, persecution because of our faith. What this means is that if God is for us, nothing will ever be able to overcome us because victory is ours. If God is for you, nothing will ever be able to overcome you. Verse 33, who dares accuse us whom God has chosen for his own? No one, for God himself has given us right standing with himself. If you are in Christ today, if you are in Christ, you're a Christ follower, you're a Christian, however you want to say it, if your faith is in him, there is nothing in all of creation that will ever be able to accuse you of sin ever again. Nothing. Nothing. Satan, our enemy, right? They, his name is the accuser. He'll try. But God, through the blood of Jesus, has covered over your sin, and there's nothing for you to be accused of anymore. That's what the Apostle Paul is saying. There's no accusation that could come, uh, that could come like out that, that God is going to be surprised about, right? Oh, my gosh, I never knew that about Dylan. Oh, my gosh, I never knew that about Teresa. Nothing. God knows it all, and he's covered it all, and he said, it's all gone, right? It's all gone. In Psalms, in the book of Psalms, it says that God has removed our sins from us as far as the east is from the west. If you think about it, the east is infinitely away from the west, like in, in the, the plane of, you know, whatever. <laughs> like, I'm not a scientist, but like, the east is infinitely, uh, an infinite distance from the west. And that's how, that's how far God has removed our sins from us. God is not keeping score of your sins. He is not keeping score of your wrongdoing. He is not like, he, he's not waiting for you to get to some threshold to then withhold his love from you, then withhold his uh, favor from you, his, his mercy. He's, he's not doing that. No one can accuse us anymore. 
Verse 34, then who will condemn us? No one, for Christ Jesus died for us and was raised to life for us. And he is sitting in the place of honor at God's right hand, pleading for us. Can anything ever separate us from Christ's love? Does it mean he no longer loves us if we have trouble or calamity or are persecuted or hungry or destitute or in danger or threatened with death? As the scriptures say, for your sake we are killed every day. We are being slaughtered like sheep. This is one of the reasons it's so important for us to be able to learn how to endure. This is why it's so important for us to, to learn not to give up because when hard times come, and they will, God's love doesn't leave us. Even though it feels like it, it, it doesn't. Even though it feels like God is far off sometimes, he's not, he's there. That's why it's important for us to be able to learn how to endure. Hard times don't mean that God has left us. He never said that life as his children would be easy. He just said we'd never go through it alone. God doesn't leave us when times get tough. God doesn't leave us when we go through junk. He's right there with you through it all. Verse 37, no, despite, no, despite all these things, overwhelming victory is ours through Christ who loved us. Overwhelming victory is ours. Some versions say, we are more than conquerors through Christ. And so in, in, the, in the world of the Bible, this idea of being more than a conqueror was a big, big deal, okay? Because in that world, conquering other peoples and other nations was a way of life and survival. And so for Paul to use that language, we're more than this, was like an empowering feeling. It was a, a confidence-building feeling. It was a, a, a hopeful a hopeful statement that he was making. No, we're more than conquerors. Overwhelming victory is already ours. Verse 38, and I am convinced that nothing can ever separate us from God's love, neither death nor life, neither, neither angels nor demons, neither our fears for today nor our worries about tomorrow. Not even the powers of hell can separate us from God's love. No power in the sky above or in the earth below. Indeed, nothing in all creation will ever be able to separate us from the love of God that is revealed in Christ Jesus our Lord. This idea of God loving us was a revolutionary idea in the world of the Bible. It was revolutionary. Before Judaism, before Christianity, people didn't believe that deities, that gods loved human beings. Before Judaism, um, the way humans viewed deities and gods was that they, they only viewed human beings as manual labor. This is, this is like confirmed by theologians and historians and that kind of thing. Like people who study other religions like would confirm that the belief system was that gods saw humans as manual labor. Jesus turned all that around, turned it on its head and revealed that God actually loves us and he wants to be in relationship with us and he desires your heart. He desires your heart. He desires my heart. This is revolutionary in the world of the Bible. The, the Bible tells us that Yahweh created us for his pleasure, to be his image, to, to have relationship with him. That's, again, revolutionary. So, so what the Apostle Paul is telling these newly converted Roman Christians is, is flipping everything they know on its head. And it's, it's just, 
giving them a complete new worldview. Now, really quick, really quick tangent. I thought about this this week, and I, I just can't help myself. I need to share it. So um, the, the value for human life comes from the Christian worldview. The, the whole idea that everybody is equal and everybody matters, that whole thing, like that is a Christian worldview. Outside of Christianity, people don't believe that. In, in, back in, in this time, in this cult, culture, if you didn't serve Jesus, you didn't believe everybody was equal. You didn't believe everybody mattered. The, the idea of human rights and civil rights is a Christian worldview. And so I just think it's, it's really strange to me in this Christian deconstruction thing that's happening in our society that people who are fighting for uh, human rights and they're fighting for civil rights are, are trying to tear down the principle or tear down the, the, the institution, I guess, of Christianity and all it stands for because somehow Christian standards are obsolete or they, you know, they're outdated or whatever. But this human rights, civil rights, like value for human life thing is a Christian worldview. So um, I, I just think it's, it's funny that people are trying to tear down Christianity, but they're fighting for the, the principles of Christianity. It's, it's interesting. Tangent over, sorry. Um, so because of the love of God, the inescapable, never-ending, like, priceless love of God, right? Like, we have overwhelming victory in this life and the next. Because of this revolutionary love of God, we have hope. We have everlasting hope, and we can have unspeakable joy because of this revolutionary love of God. And because of this love of God, we never have to be accused of wrongdoing again because God knows it all anyways, and he's covered it anyways. And he said, you know what? I see it. I see what you're going to do, and it's it's okay. I, I, I'll take care of it. I'll take it. This is our rock. The love of God is our footing. The love of God is our unshakable foundation. Nothing in all of creation will ever, 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 ever be able to separate us from the love of God. Ever. This seems fantastical. It seems like a, a fairy tale. It seems like an impossibility. Nothing will ever be able to separate us from the love of God. How? How is that even a thing? It doesn't sound real because all we know, all we understand is love with conditions. I'll love you if. I'll love you when. That's what we as humans know because we're human. But God, the way he loves us, has no conditions. It has no boundaries. It has no limitations. Mm. it's revolutionary. Who can separate us? Who can separate us from the love of God? That, that word separate in the original language in the Bible, um, it, it's equivalent, or it means like to chop off or to cut off. So it would be like our English word amputate, right? Who can amputate us from the love of God? Who can amputate the love of God from us? The answer is nothing. Nobody, no one can. The Apostle Paul says it's impossible to break the love of God. It's impossible. I had this thought this week as I was preparing this message. If it's impossible to break the love of God, not even God can break his love for us. Nothing in all of creation will ever be, right? Like, that's, that's a crazy, crazy thought to think about. Like, I'm not willing to die on that hill, but it's just a, a thought like I, I had, and I just thought it was 
thought it was a, a, a crazy thought. So, uh, But today I want to talk about two specific factors that the Apostle Paul identifies. Two specific things that he identifies that cannot break the love of Jesus. That cannot break the love of God in our lives. The first factor I want to talk about today is this. Jesus' love is not broken by physical factors. Jesus' love is not broken by physical factors. Romans chapter 8, verse 38 and 39, I just read it. It says, For I am convinced that neither death nor life, neither angels nor demons, neither the present nor the future, nor any powers, neither height nor depth, nor anything else in all creation will will be able to separate us from the love of God that is in Christ Jesus our Lord. There is nothing tangible that can break the love of God toward us. Nothing. He loves us in death. He loves us in life. He loves us, um, he loves us no matter what. There's no physical height we could ever go to to escape the love of God, right? There's no physical depth we could ever go to to escape the love of God. It's, it's everywhere all the time. It's inescapable. He says neither angels nor, de- nor demons. Even good and evil have no bearing on God's love towards you. Good and evil does not affect the way God loves you. Again, I had this thought this week as I was, um, as I was preparing this message specifically about this. Um, good and evil have no bearing. The most evil person I can think of is Adolf Hitler, right? This man used political power to try to exterminate an entire race of people. I've never heard of anything more evil than that. And I had this thought this week. God loves him just as, he, just as much as he loves me. God wants to save him, wanted, wanted to save him just as much as he wants to save me. There is no good that you could do that would make God love you more. There is no evil you could do that would make God love you less. He loves you 100% right now. Nothing you could ever do would ever make God love you any differently than he does right at this moment. Um, I believe I mentioned this last week. Um that um, early on in my Christian walk that um, I spent a lot of time with the Lord dealing with pain from my past. And, and, and the Lord walked me through healing, a healing process for years of, of dealing with this pain. Well, uh, a big source of this pain from my past was my stepdad. Um, he was physically, emotionally, mentally, verbally abusive. Any, any way you could abuse somebody, he did it. And um, for 10 years... I lived in that abuse. For 10 years, my mother lived in that abuse. For 10 years, my brothers lived in that abuse, and, and we lived in fear. Um, and in 2001, when I was 16 years old, um, my mother and my stepdad told me that they were going to get a divorce, and I was so excited. <laughs> like, typically, I'm not, like, I'm not a fan of divorce, right? But, like, that was no way to live life to live in fear constantly all the time. I mean, we literally feared for our safety. And so when they told me that they were getting a divorce, I was so excited. Um, and I was relieved, honestly. I was relieved because I didn't have to live that, in that fear anymore. Um, but I was still emotionally scarred. Because of that living 10 years that way, I was still emotionally scarred. And I, if I'm honest, I hated that guy. I hated him. 
And I didn't want to let go of that hate. I wanted to hold on to it. And I wanted to hate him forever. But then when I was 18, I gave my heart to Jesus. And, and I had a, a mentor, my, my friend Corey, the one I just talked about was supposed to come. He was in my life. And, and, and Corey was, was discipling me. He's teaching me how to be a disciple of Christ. He's teaching me how to, how to walk with the Lord. And, and Corey intentionally was putting his finger on this area of my life because he knew how I felt about my stepdad. I wasn't shy about it. I told anybody who would listen how much I hated that guy. But Corey started challenging me in that area. Ryan, you got to forgive him. Ryan, you got to forgive him. And I didn't want to, right? Like I said, I wanted to hate him. Well, I'll never forget what he said to me one day. It changed, it changed, the, way, it changed the way I viewed him. It changed the way I, I viewed this, this God's love thing, right? Um, Corey, he's wanting, he's wanting to help me. He's wanting to help, help set me free from this hatred. He, he asked me this question. He said, Ryan, do you believe that God loves you? I said, yeah, of course. I, I believe God loves me. And I even cited this Romans passage, right? Nothing I can do to escape the love of God, blah, blah, blah. He said, yeah, that's good. He goes, Ryan, this is going to be tough for you to hear, but just as much as God loves you, he loves your stepdad. Just as much as God wanted to save you, he wants, wants to save your stepdad. You know, just like kind of what I said about the other guy earlier. Um, and when I sat and thought about it, that's when the realization of the gravity of God's love hit me. Even this guy who inflicted so much pain and suffering on me and my family, like God loves him just as much as me. How is that possible? And I began to like see God's love differently. And I got, I began to experience the love of God differently. It was, it was, it was really hard hearing that. I didn't want to hear that, right? <laughs> I wanted to hate the guy. But the more I understood like God's love for me and that like what, he, what my stepdad did to me, I've been doing to God my whole life abusing him and abusing his love and abusing his grace and God still has the grace to to love me through that like how can I hold on to that and it was it was in that like in that time of my life where I realized the gravity of God's love for us there is literally nothing you could ever do that would make him love you more or less there's nothing you or I could do or my stepdad could do to separate ourselves from the love that God has for us God wants you to understand that because he wants you to be able to live in freedom. He wants you to grasp his love because he wants you to be able to live in freedom. He wants you to find your identity completely in him because he wants you to be free from the war inside yourself. Remember, I, I talked about that a couple weeks ago. There's a war going on inside of us, right? The war between our sin nature and the spirit of God. The sin nature constantly wants to do what's wrong, and our, our, the spirit of God inside of us is constantly encouraging us to do what's right. And there's a war, and God, God is saying, no matter how that war goes, no matter how that war ends, I love you the same. I'm going to love you the same. I'm going to continue to love you. Even if, that, even if the sin nature wins, I love you. I love you. God wants you to be free from that pressure to be perfect. God's love will never be able to be amputated from you. Ephesians chapter 3, verse 19, uh, 17 through 19 say, I pray that you, being rooted and established in love, may have power together with all the Lord's holy people to grasp how wide, 
and long and high and deep is the love of Christ. And to know this love that surpasses knowledge that you may be filled to the measure of all the fullness of God. Paul's prayer for the the church in Ephesus is exactly what I just said. He wants them to, to know the love of God so much that they're filled with the fullness of God because when you're full of the love of God and you're full of the, full, like the fullness of God, you're full of God and his love, you can't really be full of anything else, right? When you're full of the love of God, you can't really be full of it. You can't be filled with hate and the love of God. You can't be filled with apathy and the love of God. You can't be filled with fear and the love of God. Like, he wants us to be filled with God's love so that nothing else will control us. Nothing else will be able to overcome us. When you're full of, of God's love, you can be free from everything else. So that's the first factor that Paul talks about, right? Jesus' love is not broken by physical factors. There's absolutely nothing that you can do that will change the way God loves you. The other factor that the Apostle Paul identifies today is this. Jesus' love is not broken by emotional factors. Jesus' love is not broken by emotional factors. Romans uh, 8.35, again, I just read it a little bit ago. Does it mean he no longer loves us if we have trouble or calamity or are persecuted or hungry or destitute or in danger or threatened with death? In the original language, these words trouble and calamity imply like an internal struggle, an internal battle. It implies internal elements being fought in your mind. It doesn't matter what you think of yourself. It doesn't matter what you believe to be true about God. It doesn't matter how you feel about him. It doesn't matter how you feel about anybody else. God's love for you never changes. It doesn't matter what you think about God or what you believe. Your your thoughts and beliefs don't change what is actually true. Here's a great principle uh, to live by that my, my mentors taught me. The truth is the truth no matter what you believe. The truth is still true even if you don't believe it's true. And the truth is that God's love doesn't change no matter what we think, no matter what we believe. That's the truth. No matter how much you tell yourself the opposite, the truth is still true. God's love doesn't change. It's not going anywhere. He still loves you wildly. It doesn't change the fact that, that he would do anything to make sure that you would have every opportunity to be with him. Um, I uh, once was able to help one of my really close friends understand this. Uh, when I was 14 years old, um, I was brand new, um, to high school and I met, um, a guy named Blake and me and Blake were on the same football team together and we both were like obsessed with football, not just playing, but like everything about the game, right? Like we just, we both loved it. And around that, like we became really good friends. And so, uh, Blake and I were really good friends and, and we got closer and closer. Well, at, the closer I got to Blake, I started to realize like, oh, this guy's an atheist. So... Um, and, and the more I kind of dug into that and learned about him, he was actually, um, he was actually raised to believe that, like to, to believe that there is no God. He was raised this way. Um, this wasn't a choice he made. Like his mom taught him from a young age, there is no God. And so, um, after I, after I found faith, right. And after I like started walking with the Lord, he and I would have these incredible, like incredibly philosophical discussions where, um, He's asking me all these questions about faith. He's trying to 
basically he's trying to debunk what I believe and I'm, I'm trying to defend what I believe, right? Like apologetics 101. Um, but we'd have these incredible philosophical discussions and it wasn't just like he's arguing to make his point. He, like we were really trying to arrive at what was true and we were having like these, these intellectual conversations trying to understand one another um, and it was, it was cool. Well, this one, this one particular time I can think of, um, it, it's funny, like whenever we'd have these conversations, Blake would always like be getting drunk. Um, like he'd be getting loaded and, and I'm just sitting there like just making sure like he doesn't do anything silly right anything stupid but like i'd let him kind of do his thing and we'd have these conversations um and one night um the uh, the the conversation went down um the the path of of the love of god and blake and and he made this statement that he said if there is a god there's no chance that he loves me and i said why blake and he said how could he love me when I don't even believe in him? And it was really cool when I got to share this scripture with him, the, the Romans 8, 38 and 39, like there's, there's nothing we could ever do, right? There's no, no action you could do. There's no thought you could ever have that would change the way God feels about you. And I got to have this, this conversation with him. And it was, again, revolutionary for Blake in the way he thought, because he'd never heard that before. He'd never um, heard anything like that. And so that sent him on a path toward exploring faith. And um, long story short, nine years later, like I got to baptize him. Like it was really cool, like really cool thing. But um, I'll tell that story another time. But um, I say all that to say like God, God loves us no matter our disbelief. He loves us no matter our doubts, no matter our questions, no matter our reservations, no matter your mental health. For some reason, like with this, this mental health movement that's going on in, in, in our world today, like there are people that believe like you have to be right mentally for God to love you, like mental health issues disqualify you somehow from God's grace or something. Like that stuff doesn't matter. It doesn't change the way God feels about you. It doesn't change the way God feels about you. There's nothing you can, you can do to earn or lose the love of God. Isaiah 54.10 says this, Though the mountains be shaken and the hills be removed, yet my unfailing love for you will not be shaken, nor my covenant of peace be removed, says the Lord, who has compassion on you. This is poetic language used to describe the gravity of God's love. The mountains shake and the, the hills be moved isn't, isn't literal. It's not a literal statement. It's, it's a metaphor to say when everything seems like it's, it's crumbling, when it seems like the world is falling, even up here, when the, when the world is, is going, going down the drain, my love remains. When everything else is turbulent, my love stays. There's a video um, really quickly I want to show you um, that I believe makes my point for me. I, I probably could have just showed the video and not said anything, and my, the point would have gotten across. But I want, I want us to watch that video right now. Turn your attention to the video screen, please. The Lord says that there is nothing that you can do that would make him love you more. There is also nothing you can do that would make him love you less. He loves you because he loves you, because he loves you, because he loves you, 
because he loves you 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 because that is what he is like it is his nature to love and you will always be the beloved and his love is unchanging and he loves you a hundred percent he won't love you any better when you become better he loves you a hundred percent right now and even if you have no plans to become better he will still love you 100 percent because he loves you because that's the way that he is and even if you don't want to change he will love you a hundred percent even if you have no plans to walk with him he will love you 100 percent because that's his nature he loves all the way all the time his love is unchanging what will change says the Lord is your ability to receive my love and this evening I want to cram some more of that ability inside you so I challenge you says the Lord open your heart to me open your heart to me and you will receive more of my love than you've ever experienced before I dare you says the Lord come on open your heart to me give me your heart give me whatever your obstacle is I'll take it I'll remove it out of the way because I love you as you are right now I love you a hundred percent as you are right this moment I love you as you are so be loved you are the beloved it is your job says the Lord to be loved outrageously it is why I chose you that's why I set my love upon you that you would live as one who is outrageously loved that you would receive a radical love so radical it'll blow all your paradigms of what you think love is and no says the Lord I will love you outrageously all the days of your life because I don't know how to be any different this is who I am and this is who I will always be this is the I am that I promised you I am he that loves you outrageously and you may love me back with the love that I give you you may love me back outrageously with the outrageous love that I bestow upon you and know this says the Lord you can only love me as much as you love yourself so my love comes this evening to set you free from yourself to set you free from how you see yourself to set you free from the smallness of your own thinking about yourself my love comes to set you free from rejection and from shame and from low self-esteem and from despair and from abuse because when I look at you says the Lord I see something that I love I see someone that I can love outrageously and I have so much to bestow upon you 
so much to give you, so many places to take you in my heart. But you can't go there unless you allow me to love you. And my love for you will break every barrier, bring every wall crashing down. And know this says the Lord, my love damages fear. My love hates fear. My love will fight fear. It will fight fear in you. It will fight fear around you. And if you have fear this evening, says the Lord, then know that you have a treat in store because my perfect love casts out fear. There is no fear where I am present because my love casts out fear. Beloved, you are my beloved. You are my beloved. And in my love, I want you to feel good about yourself. This was, this was at like a, a worship conference or something, and it was a prophetic word from a, a minister named Graham Cook. And I just think, I just think it's spot on. God doesn't know how to be any different. He doesn't know how to be any different than to love 100% all the time. There's nowhere we can go to escape God's love. Psalm 139 verses 7, 7 through 12 say this, I can never escape from your spirit. I can never get away from your presence. If I go up to heaven, you're there. If I go down to the grave, you're there. If I ride the wings of the morning, if I dwell by the farthest oceans, even there your hand will guide me and your strength will support me. I could ask the darkness to hide me and the light around me to become night, but even in the darkness, I cannot hide from you. How would your life be different? How would your life change? How would things be transformed if you actually lived in this love of God? Just rhetorical question. Think about it for yourself right now. How could things be different for you if you actually accepted this as reality? This unconditional, continuous, never-ending love. How would your life change if, if when you got up in the morning, the first thing you felt was the love of God on you? You hop in the shower and you can feel the love of God. You're brushing your teeth. You're eating breakfast, you're drinking your coffee, you can feel the, the arms of God wrap around you. How would things be different if that was your life, if that was your reality every day? What would it be like if you felt God's love unconditionally, unconditionally in your life totally? What would it be like? What would your life be like? What if you were aware of it all the time? How would, how would that change your family? How would that change the way you see other people? Like, I, I think it would change everything. 
you are fully loved by him now. And that's never going to change. There's nothing you could ever do to alter that. Let me pray for you this morning. God, thank you. Lord, thank you for your love. Thank you that you love us outrageously right now. You love all the way, all the time. Thank you, God. Thank you, God, that you love me even when I don't deserve it. God, I pray today that for, for anyone in the room or watching online that maybe struggle with this reality of, of being loved by you, I pray, God, that you would open, help open their hearts, help open their minds to, to receive this, this reality. Father God, we, we just submit to you right now. And we just, I, I stand in awe of your love for us. I stand in awe of your love for me, and I'm just so grateful. God, I'm so grateful that, that I am loved. That you, you, you give it freely. You bestow it upon me freely. And that's never going to change, God. Thank you. Thank you, God. Thank you. With heads bowed and eyes closed, uh, if you're here today and you don't know Christ, you have no idea what this whole love of God thing is, you've never experienced it before, or maybe you have at one point and for some reason, whatever, for whatever reason, you walked away from it. Today could be the day where, where you come home to him. Today could be the day where you say yes to Jesus and be adopted into his family. If that's you today, you want to experience the love of God, you want to, to begin a relationship with the Lord. If that's you today, at the count of three, I want to ask you to raise your hand so that I can pray with you. There's nothing uh, special or magical about raising your hand. I just, I just want to identify who I'm going to be praying with today. And I'm, don't worry, I'm not going to embarrass anybody or point anybody out, anything like that. I just... I just want to know who I'm praying with. So heads bowed and eyes closed. At the count of three, if that's you, you say, Pastor Ryan, I want to begin my walk with the Lord today. I want you to raise your hand. One, God loves you so, so wildly right now. Two, it's time for you to come home to him. Three, if that's you right now, raise your hand so that I can know who I'm praying with. Raise it high. Raise it high. What I want to do right now is I want to lead us in a prayer. Whether or not you raised your hand, I want to ask everyone in the house today to, to say this prayer out loud so nobody feels um, singled out, nobody feels picked on. Um, if you raised your hand, or, or maybe you didn't raise your hand, but you wanted to, uh, I want to encourage you 
pray this prayer from your heart this morning. Repeat after me. Say, Father God, I recognize today that you love me. I recognize today that you are for me. And I recognize today that I've sinned against you. I ask for your forgiveness and I repent from my old ways. Make me new. Help me to receive your love. Make me more like you. In the name of Jesus. Amen. 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 Can we give it up for those who may have prayed that prayer today? That's so awesome. That's awesome. Awesome. What I want to do right now, um, I want to just spend a moment just reflecting. I just want to spend a moment just in prayer or meditating or, you know, whatever, just, just thinking about this idea of the love of God. And so the worship team is going to lead us in a song. Um, you can stand if you want. You can sit if you want. But let's just take a, a few moments and just just think about what, what the Lord has said to us today. Thank you, God, that you love us relentlessly unconditionally thank you God before I before I pray and dismiss really quick I just want to go over a couple of next steps something to do to to take the message and tangibly apply it this week a couple of next steps this week I will memorize Psalm 63 3 my lips praise you because your faithful love is better than life itself it's good to remind yourself of that. It's good to speak that over yourself. This week I'll memorize Psalm 63.3. This week I will ask someone in my church family to pray um, that I receive a fresh revelation of God's love. And this week I will invite a friend to join me at church. He loves you. He loves you. There's nothing that you or I or anyone else could ever do to change that. May the Lord Jesus Christ himself and God our Father who loved us and by his grace gave us eternal encouragement and good hope. May he encourage your hearts and strengthen you in every good deed and word. In the name of Jesus, amen. Amen, 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 amen. Thanks for being here, everybody. Thanks for, for worshiping with us this morning. It's glad to, good to have you. Have a great week. We'll see you next Sunday.